Good day once again and welcome once again to our Bible study. We in the Gospel of John chapter 14. And if you remember from last week, there's two parts to this study in John chapter 14. Today we'll be covering verses 24 through 31. And the title of today's lesson, just as last week, is Jesus confronts his disciples and promises the Holy Spirit, part two. So let's review from last week before we jump in to today's lesson. Last week we, we, we saw and we learned that, that Jesus was in a discussion with his disciples. And, and he's telling them that he's fixing to lead them. So he's, he's speaking about his, his, his death and the crucifixion, his death and his burial and his ascension into heaven. But, but he also tells his disciples that he's going to ask his heavenly father if, if the heavenly father is going to lead them an advocate, meaning the Holy Spirit, right? And we know that this did come true. So this is the first time in last week's lesson that Jesus begins teaching about leaving an advocate, leaving the Holy Spirit. However, we learned that the disciples, they once again, they're listening to Jesus, but they really don't understand what Jesus is telling them, right? Because let's go back throughout the Gospels, throughout the, starting in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus is talking to them from a kingdom perspective. But these disciples are not really understanding what Jesus is saying because they're not thinking kingdom-minded. They're thinking what? In the physical. And that's how most of us, when we read the Bible, when we open up the Bible and we read it, some of us don't even open up a Bible because we say, I don't understand it. No, because we look at it from the physical realm. Well, we actually need to look at it from a spiritual realm, but you need to start somewhere. And, and you open up the Bible, and the more you read and the more you study, the more you in in Bible study, the more you within groups of Bible study like this one here, the more you start to understand what the Scriptures reveal. And once you start reading and once you start understanding, by means of your own, by means of the Holy Spirit, ask the Holy Spirit that's in you, right? Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't harbor the Holy Spirit. But, but ask Him. Surrender to Him. Do the Father's will. And when you start doing that, he starts to reveal things for you in the spiritual realm. And, and the disciples here, they don't understand this. They're they thinking in the physical. Jesus is telling them. He's speaking kingdom-minded because that's how Jesus spoke. And they don't get it. So let's continue on in the lesson that Jesus is going to lead the Holy Spirit and he's telling his disciples. And we're going to start in verse 24 today. Starting in verse 24, Jesus says this, Anyone who does not love me, will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not of my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while you are still here with me. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all these things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I live with, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away, but I am coming back. If you love me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I am. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world 
is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. So let's go back up to verse 24. We see that Jesus, once again, he continues this discussion with his disciples. And Jesus says, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. So in this first text of this scripture in, in, in John 24, he's telling us that anyone who has no relationship with him, meaning you don't know him, right? If you don't know him, if you have no relationship with him, if you, if you don't spend time in prayer and listening to God by means of the Holy Spirit, if you don't do the Father's will, then you don't follow his commands. You don't know him. So anyone who has no relationship with him doesn't do the Father's will. And you won't follow his commands and you're going to obey, disobey his commandments. That's what he's saying here. These words, he continues on. He says, these words you hear are not of my own, but they belong to the Father who sent me. So Jesus is saying, when you don't do all these things, right? I'm not upset. That's what Jesus is saying. Why, you ask? Because it's not his words, it's not his teachings, but it comes from the Father himself. Verse 25, all this I have spoken while you are still with me. So he's saying, I've told you all these things right now. While I'm still with you, I'm still here. Meaning before he dies, before he ascends into heaven, before he leaves them. Verse 26, he says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Now, we need to understand this on two levels. First, we need to understand that without accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, without accepting him, right? Without receiving him as your Savior, as your Redeemer, as the Messiah, you will not receive the Holy Spirit. Also, he's saying right here that if you aren't willing to demonstrate my character, how many times you've heard me say this in Bible study, that when, when, when you're going to follow Jesus, right, when, when you're going to be a disciple of his, that means taking on his character and attributes. And here he says it again. That's what it means, that you're not going to demonstrate his character. You, 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 you're not willing to take on his attributes, then if you're not willing to do that, then you're grieving the Holy Spirit, which means the Holy Spirit won't move. And, and it's, it's a shame because the Holy Spirit is in us all. We just need to accept Him. We must be willing to obey the Father and do the Father's will. And once you do that, the Holy Spirit starts to activate, starts to move in your life. So if you're not willing to demonstrate the character of Jesus then you're not going to have the Holy Spirit present outwardly so people can see. He says, he continues on in verse 26. He says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all these things and will remind you that everything I have said to you. So this scripture right here, talking about the advocate, talking about the Holy Spirit, once that moves in your life, once you invite Jesus into your heart, once you accept the Holy Spirit and start leaning and doing the character of Jesus, 
doing the attributes of Jesus, the Holy Spirit begins to move. So you're maturing, you're learning, you're knowing him, right? That's what he means by it will teach you all things that will remind you of everything that I have said. You see, just because you're a believer, the Holy Spirit may not manifest in you. And why? Because of exactly what I just said. The Apostle Paul actually says it best. He says a person can grieve and hinder the Holy Spirit. Now, what do I mean by that? <clears throat> if you aren't willing to follow the truth, if you aren't willing to submit to His will, His purposes, His plans, take on His character, instead you want to do your own thing, you want to do your own desires, right? Not His desires, not His will. You love materialistic things in this world then you're grieving the Holy Spirit. You're hindering the Holy Spirit. And if you do that, the Holy Spirit will not work. It won't move in your life. Amen? Verse 27. Peace I leave with you. Jesus says, my peace I give you. See, the, this peace is very unique that he gives us. It comes from only Jesus. But it comes from only Jesus by means of the Holy Spirit. It isn't a peace like the world thinks, or like the world has. You say, well, what does the world think? Or what, how does the world have it? You know, well, they don't have it. Because look at the rest of the verse. He says, I do not give you what the world gives. So his peace, you can say, is a power. It's a, it's a, it's a rest in a sense, right? Because his peace that he gives you only by means of the Holy Spirit, it overcomes whatever the world might throw at you. Meaning whatever trials and troubles and tribulations that you face, man, when you're in the Spirit, when the Spirit is moving in you because you're doing the Father's will, you're constantly in Bible study, you're reading the Word of God, you, you, you accept in the revelation of the Holy Spirit when He moves in you, then it doesn't matter what happens in your life, what the devil throws at you, what the world throws at you, because you're living in His peace. There's a comfort, there's a rest within Him because you know as a believer in Christ, as you're walking in the Spirit, that all things work for those who believe, those who trust those who live according to God's word, amen? He says, do not let your hearts be troubled, continuing on in verse 27. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now, this is the second time in chapter 14 in the book of John that he says, don't allow your hearts to be troubled. See, now we need to think of this the proper way because Jesus says it himself. Jesus says, believe in God, but also what? Believe in me, Jesus says. So we need to believe in him if we believe in God. But now he's saying right here, the real benefit of all this, the real key for not having your hearts to be troubled is this right here, is the peace of God. And what he says, if you believe in God, you also what? Believe in me. You see, this peace, it passes all understanding. This peace, it overcomes the things of the world. And who gives this peace to us? Jesus. 
Jesus Christ of Nazareth, but it's only by means of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid also means to be timid. So don't believe that, that we have to be small in our thinking, in our worship, right? In our following of the gospel and our following of the truth. Don't be timid. Don't be afraid, right? If you have the faith, if you believe in Christ Jesus, if you're walking in the spirit, then we're supposed to be bold about the truth. We're supposed to speak truth and be bold about it. See, one of the outcomes in the book of Acts concerning the Holy Spirit and, and the early disciples and the apostles, right? Man, what they did, they spoke with what? A boldness. I mean, they didn't say or do things that the government wanted or the leaders, the religious leaders wanted them to say. They, they, didn't, do, they didn't do that. What they did, just the opposite. They spoke with boldness. They spoke the truth. Why? Because of that inner peace that comes by means of the Holy Spirit in them. And that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So when you're walking in the Spirit, right? When you when you confirming to truth God's Word, when you're proclaiming the good news, the gospel, when you're telling people about the kingdom of God and the goodness of Jesus, there needs to be truth in that. Meaning, if you see sin in a person's life, and not that you're a judge, because I'm no judge. There's only one judge, and that's Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen? But when you know it goes against the truth, the word of God, and you, you need, you can't be timid to speak the truth. You have to speak with a boldness, right? See, the world today is, is, is turning perverted, is turning evil. I mean, just look with, and people, people are, 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 they're siding with the world. And if you go against the world, then what? You get persecuted. You the bad person, you the evil person. But that's what the Gospels tell us. The Gospels say Jesus said it was going to be good becomes evil. What's evil going to, is, is what? Considered good, right? And we see that. And let me give you an example of that. It, if you look at what's going on today with, with LGBTQ or whatever it's called, right? If you speak out against that, you're going to be persecuted. But yet it's the truth because it goes against the word of God. Right? Because the word of God says a marriage is between a what? A man and a woman. It's not between a woman and a woman and a man and a man. It's between a man and a woman. But man, when you go and speak the truth of that out in public, you get persecuted. Right? They come against you. You the evil one, so to speak. But it doesn't matter. Because when the Spirit is working in you, it is your job as a follower, as a disciple of Jesus and the kingdom of God to do what? To speak bold, to speak the truth. Hallelujah. Verse 28. You heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. And if you love me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I am. Now let's look at that first text in verse 28 in John 14. Jesus says, you heard me say that I'm going away, but I'm coming back to you. And this is exactly what he did. We know that. He left this earth. He ascended into heaven. He's now seating at the right hand of the Father, but he's going to return again. He's going to return to us. And this is what's referenced to. He's referencing the what? He's referencing the kingdom. Now, why I bring up kingdom here, right? 
You see, when he returns, he's returning for one reason. And that's to establish the kingdom of God. And and we know what happens, right? He steps foot on the Mount of Olives, and the Mount of Olives splits in two. That ushers in that thousand-year millennial reign. And he rules and reigns with an iron fist. The book of Revelation tells us all this for a thousand years. And after that thousand years, he's going to resurrect the dead because there's two resurrections. There's one first at the rapture of the church. Second Thessalonians talks about this. The apostle Paul, that the dead in Christ will rise and all those who are alive and well will be what snatched up, will be raptured up in the twinkling of an eye. But the Bible in Revelation also talks about that there's going to be a second resurrection, and that's for the dead. Meaning not only physically, but what? Spiritually. And, and they go through the great white throne judgment, and that's where every knee and tongue will, 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 will bow down and confess that Jesus is Lord and King of Kings. Then Jesus is going to say, what? I never knew you, because you never knew me. Depart from me, you evil and wicked, Right? And he throws them into the lake of fire. So hell turns into the lake of fire. And the kingdom of heaven is eventually right then and there after that happens turns into what? The kingdom of God with that city, the new city, the new Jerusalem. And a second heaven and a second earth comes down here. And all things are created new. Amen. So he's speaking here about the establishment of of the kingdom of God. You see, if you don't understand this, right? If you don't have a very strong, I guess, expectation of the kingdom of God, then you're not going to have no joy in your life. Because joy, you know what joy really means? Joy really means the reality of the coming of the kingdom of God. And when you understand what Jesus is coming back for, You understand that this life is very short. It's temporal. But the kingdom of God lasts forever. Then there's going to be joy in your life. There's going to be a peace in your life. There's going to be a sort of rest in your life. Because you know what you have to look forward to. Jesus continues. He says, if you love me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father. And you might ask, why does Jesus say this? Because he has to go back to the Father in heaven because it's part of God's plan for humanity. However, at some point, God the Father will send him back to this earth to establish his kingdom forever. And nobody knows the day or the time. Nobody knows that. Jesus says that to his disciples. They ask, when? When will all this happen? When will the age end? Right? And Jesus said, nobody knows it. Not even me, not even the angels in heaven, but who? But only the Father, only Him. So if you're a believer, man, if you love Jesus, then this should bring joy to you, knowing that He's coming back to establish the kingdom of God. For the Father is greater than I. Now, is Jesus less than God? No, He's not less than God. Jesus is. He, he hum, God humbled himself. Jesus humbled himself and became man and God, right? Why? For us, because he loves us that much. So we can have a chance, right? With that new covenant that he established by the shedding of his blood, by believing that he is the Messiah, 
believing that he died for our transgressions, our sins. And that the Father raised him on the third day. And after 40 days on earth, he ascended back to the Father. The Apostle Paul says it best, right? If you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, he's our Savior, and you confess with your mouth this, you shall be saved, right? So he's not greater. So then why does he say this, you say, right? Because he's showing us in this passage right here, in this scripture, in this text, in this scripture, about being submissive. So he's showing us his submissiveness to the Father. He emptied himself, right? He became man. He never stopped being God. I want you to understand that. He never stopped being divine. But he's coming back to establish the kingdom of God and he will bring the Father with him. I mean, go look at the Old Testament, what the prophets say, right? The book of Revelation says the same thing. If you look in the book of Revelation, we see that there's a throne of God. And this is important, what I'm fixing to say. Because at the beginning of the book of Revelation, we see that Jesus is before the throne. Then, a little bit later, we see that he's beside the throne. Then in the end, in the book of Revelation, this is concerning the new Jerusalem, we find that Messiah, God the Son, God the Father, is in unity on the throne. Now, where's the throne, you might say? What about this throne? It's the tabernacle of God, it says. It's the throne of God. And the throne of God or the tab tabernacle of God is, is with man. It's in unity with man. So this should bring us joy. So this joy, and, and Jesus is trying to give us this message here, that, that what is happening in the world is very temporary. But there's coming a time when God will dwell intimately. He will dwell personally with us, believers, his people, his children. Remember, we're not all children of God, right? Everybody says, oh, we all should. No, you're not all children of God. If you don't accept Jesus as, you, as your Lord and Savior, if you don't profess that, right? If you don't do the Father's will, you're not a child of God. And, and this is what Messiah wants us to realize, right? As we go through our life, that we need to live this life on this earth with a kingdom perspective, with a kingdom mindset, with a kingdom thinking. The old prophets, they say it, right? God the Father is going to dwell with his people. This is speaking about the kingdom of God. And we see this in the book of Revelation. So this is what Jesus is speaking about here. So going back to the text, going back to the scripture, he says, if you heard me say that I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. Why? To establish the kingdom, to get rid of all evilness in this world, to for that new Jerusalem to come down, that new city where all things are created new. If you love me, he says, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I am. So he's teaching us submissiveness. He's teaching us obedience to the Father. And that's a message to us that we too need to be submissive to the Word of God. We need to be bold about the truth of God. So we need to be submissive to Him and the kingdom. Amen. Next verse, verse 29. He says, I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. Now, he's uniting right here. We can say two things. He's saying, I'm with you right now, but I'm also going away. So you will see me ascend back into heaven, which they did, right? 
And, and, and we're going to see this as we move on in the Gospel of John. But he's also saying, I said this before it happened so that you know it's true when it does happen. That's what he's saying. And in the same way that I told you I'm going to the Father, you can have that same expectation that I'm also going to return for you. But when I return for you, I'm coming to establish my Father's kingdom. I'm coming to establish the kingdom of God. Now, why does he say all of this? Look at the end of this verse. It tells you. He says, so that when it does happen, you will believe. Now, don't underestimate the power of this word, belief. You might say, believe in what? Believing in the kingdom. The reality of the establishment of the kingdom of God. You see, we hear a lot of things today that if you believe, you're going to get what you want. That's worldly. That's materialistic. That's a lie from straight from the devil. It's not true. You see, what true faith does, it, it releases an unshakable expectation, you can say, of Jesus' return and the establishment of the kingdom of God. So, if we have the right perception, I guess, perspective. We're going to make right decisions. We're going to make kingdom decisions. And we're going to manifest God by means of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, right? By obeying Jesus. Because Jesus obeyed his Father. So when, when, when we manifest all this, what's the purpose of you walking in his character, walking in his attributes, looking forward and having that kingdom hope, the establishment of the kingdom of God. It's our job to do his ministry here on earth so we can bring more people to him so they can be released and freed from addiction. They can be restored. They can be comforted. They can be loved. Because what was Jesus all about? Love. And this is what his ministry is all about. This is what the ministry of the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, is all about. It's giving people hope because Jesus gives us a hope and that hope is the establishment of the kingdom of God. So there should be a peace. There should be a comfort knowing where are we going as believers in Yeshua, in Christ Jesus. Amen. Verse 30. I will not say much more to you for the prince of this world is coming. Now he's talking about Satan here. He's talking about the devil. See, Satan wants to do anything and everything in his power to take away the joy that Jesus wants to bring by means of the Holy Spirit. And we need to understand that Satan is a major threat to us. It's a major threat to you. It's a major threat to me. It's, it's a major threat to people in this world that's following Jesus and his teachings and the truth. Now, can Satan take away our salvation? No. Your salvation's up to you. Now, why do I say this? Because God made a new covenant. He made a kingdom covenant with you and me. And he did this through his son, Jesus. That's why he sent Jesus. That's why Jesus was born. But all you need to do is accept him into your life. Right? Accept him. Believe who he is. Believe why he came. Believe why he's coming back for the establishment of his father's kingdom. The apostle Paul says, 
And I, I said it before that if you really believe that, if you really confess that with your mouth and you really know that, that, that the God, the father raised his son, Jesus from the dead, then you are what saved. He says, the question is this, do we really believe that truly believe this? Then if we truly believe this, then you're going to be saved. Amen. He continues on in this scripture and he says, Satan, he has no hold over me. This means power. See, Satan has no power over God. He has no power over our Savior. But Satan has power over you. Satan has power over us if we let him. See, the only way that we can have victory over Satan, which is called the prince of this world. Jesus called him the father of this world. The only way we can have power and defeat him is through Jesus, our Messiah. And we can do this by means of the Holy Spirit. Now, why do I say that? Look at the verse. Jesus says, I'm greater than him, right? Now, remember, we're talking about joy. So how did Jesus find joy, you may ask? By doing what the Father told him to do. And this is how we find joy in the world today. By being obedient, by being submissive, by following our Lord and Savior, by doing the Father's will. How do we know to do the Father's will? By means of the Holy Spirit. See, obedience leads to revelation. And revelation leads to our understanding of God's plans and God's purposes and the will that God has for our life. And it's, it's for a kingdom perspective. It's for the kingdom. It's not what you want. He might give you what you want, but he's expecting you to use that for what? For his glory, for the kingdom. You see, when you submit to him, when you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you, even when trouble comes our way, there's going to be a peace because there's a joy inside of you because you know that God has more power and he's, he's, he's the king of this earth, of this universe, right? Death can't take us. Yes, we all have to die physically, but spiritually we live, right? But why on this earth? Trouble comes our way, people. We, we can't stop that. We can't. But even though trouble comes, if you're allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you, to guide you, then you're going to be at peace. You're going to be at comfort. It doesn't matter if you hurt. It doesn't matter what evilness brings against you. The devil comes against you. Because God, if you stay true to his word, if you stay true to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, then God's going to bring us victory. Amen. See, God will use our troubles. God's going to use your sadness. He's going, to, he's going to use your failures, your letdowns. Why? Because it brings him glory in the end if you stay true to him. If you manifest the Holy Spirit in you and the Holy Spirit is manifesting to others because you're following God's will and God's purpose. But we have to continue to walk in his ways. We have to continue to believe. We have to continue to trust Him. Verse 31. And this is our last verse for today and for this chapter of John 14. He says in verse 31 here, 
But he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father. And I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, he says, let us leave. So once again, this shows us his obedience. It shows us submissiveness to the Father. And that's what we need to do to him by means of the Holy Spirit, that advocate that he left. You see, Messiah here is teaching us. He's teaching us something. That if you really, truly walk in obedience, that if you truly surrender to the Holy Spirit, you don't grieve the Holy Spirit, you don't hinder the Holy Spirit, if you follow God's plans for your life, if you do the Father's will for your life, then one revelation leads to another revelation and to another revelation. You see, what God is teaching us here, what Jesus is teaching his disciples and us, is that he's teaching us that when we understand truth and the Spirit starts to move in our life, right, then he wants or he has the desire for us that we learn more of him, that we seek him more. See, to teach us more revelation, to mature us, to grow us, to grow us into his vessel, to grow us into an instrument that he can use to establish the kingdom of God. That's what he's teaching us here, right? But you see, if you don't do this, then there's no joy. There's no peace. There's no comfort in your life. And what happens if there's no joy, no peace, and no comfort? Then we get frustrated. We get angry, we get worried, we have anxiety, we stay stressed out, we get depressed. And all these things that I just mentioned, they're not from God. And God doesn't want this for us. So we need to realize that joy, man, that is a huge indicator in our life. Do you have joy today? Do you have peace and comfort in your life? No matter what situation the devil throws at you. No matter what situation the world throws at you, right? See, if you're in God's will, there's going to be joy. If you're doing what the Father wants you to do for His kingdom, you're going to be at peace and comfort and joy. But outside of God's will, you're not going to have this joy, this peace, this comfort, and this rest. Remember, this joy has nothing to do with what's going around us. However, it has a lot to do with where you're located. This means this. Are you located to where God wants you to be? Or are you grieving the Holy Spirit? See, we need to seek the Spirit. We need to listen to His small voice. We need to follow Him. What do I mean follow him? Doing the Father's will. Doing what the Father has planned for our life from a kingdom perspective. And if you do all of this, if you don't grieve the Spirit, if you listen to the Spirit, if you follow the Spirit, if you obey the Spirit, if you submissive to the Spirit, if you do all of this, then it's a promise from Jesus that you're going to find peace. You're going to find comfort. You're going to find rest. But more importantly this, you're going to find the joy of Jesus Christ. Amen. And that ends our lesson for today.
Next week, we'll be back, and we're going to start a new chapter in the Gospel of John. We'll be starting John chapter 15. Until next week, we sure do appreciate you all tuning in. Bless, be a blessing for someone this week. Share this podcast to someone that, that you know might need it. Uh, it's the truth. We teach them from the Bible, the Word of God. I think everybody needs to hear the truth of God and the Word of God, no matter what your denomination, because we all believers in Christ Jesus. Amen. Until next week, we love you guys and God bless.